The Art Dealer Diaries are brought to you by Medicine Man Gallery, located for over 26 years in Tucson, Arizona, specializing in antique Native American art, early Western art, including the famed Maynard Dixon, as well as modern art. You can find everything online at medicinemangallery.com. There's over 6,000 objects to select from. Also, the Charles Bloom Murder Mystery Series, written by yours truly, me, Mark Sublett. There's six books in this series, and they follow the protagonist Charles Bloom through all the intrigue of the art world set in Santa Fe and the Navajo Nation. These can be found on Audible, eBooks, Amazon, and of course, the gallery at medicinemangallery.com. John Moyers was on today, and he's such a fascinating guy. You know, he's one of the great cowboy artists of America, and he is one of the few ever, maybe the only, to have a father who was also a cowboy artist of America. And so John talks about growing up in New Mexico as well as being really learning how to become an artist through one of the very greatest artists, really, of, the, of the, his generation, which was Robert Lahey. And Lahey's inspiration to John and how he took that and went to the next level. So John Moyers talks about being a cowboy artist of America, what it involved to be a kid of a cowboy artist, and just his journey. It's a very interesting podcast. John Moyers, are you leaning back? Look, he's we got to get his arms ready and all this stuff. Let's put this like this. I don't think I'll cut any of that, actually. I think that's... I think I want that on tape. Okay. <laughs> I have John Moyers, not only a great artist, but a good friend. And John is here for a show that we're doing, an homage to Maynard Dixon. We had that last night, the opening, and uh, we're both exhausted, but we said John was kind enough, so he'll, I'll come in and talk. John, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we're done, John. Is that yeah. all you needed? <laughs> <laughs> So John Warriors and I have a lot in common. One of the things is that we both grew up in New Mexico, but he grew up in a big city, real big city, Albuquerque, and I grew up in Portales. Now you started in in grade school about in Albuquerque. Yeah, I went to all all my school was in Albuquerque up until I graduated from high school. And so, your dad was a pretty famous guy. Yeah, he was a he was a, a Western artist, and he was pretty well known in the day. So. Yeah, William Moore, mm-hmm. William, yeah, uh, William Moyers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is early. I must admit, I didn't get that second cup of coffee yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, when did you recognize? Because your dad, I'm sure, was always doing stuff. He was always he yeah. would he was always out yeah. there doing things. But when did you recognize your own? artistic creativity that you wanted to kind of do the same thing that maybe your dad was doing or maybe not yeah i i always kind of did you know i always wanted to be an artist and um because that was the one thing that uh i could do that um you know came kind of easy to me as far as uh being able to excel at it so uh um, yeah, I just gravitated towards art. So. And do you remember when you started doing that? I mean, were you no, like four, I five, always, six? I always had, my dad always, uh, let any of the kids have access to any of the materials in his studio. So I, I always was drawing and painting and, 
Yeah. And oil paints too, even at that time? No, no watercolors and indie ink, a lot of ink stuff, and um, which is a good foundation for any artist because, uh, um, you know, if anything, all that stuff's more unforgiving and more difficult than oil paint so it's it's a good foundation so. yeah and you're i mean your gouaches are some i mean they've won national awards <laughs> yeah 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 i've been lucky so yeah lucky yeah <laughs> hard work yeah um and what was your dad did he give you encouragement and said yeah kid you're doing you know yeah you know to a degree he wasn't uh um Oh, he was kind of old-fashioned, I guess you'd say. Like it, it was not like we've encouraged our son. Let's put it that way. But he, yeah, he encouraged me for sure, but kind of in a in a different way. So yeah, in what yeah. way was that? What's well, I mean, way? it wasn't like, uh, um, you know, way to go, kid. You're great. You're awesome. Da 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 da. So it was more like, you know, I mean, like I say, it was more old-fashioned. Uh, way of raising a kid <laughs> there's a story right there i haven't quite pulled it out yeah well i don't even know yet you know, so. you're still trying to figure it yeah, out yourself yeah, yeah. did you so. win any awards or anything for your art early on oh like at the new mexico state fair and stuff and high school stuff but nothing national or anything but when you so. won so you entered in the state fair and when did yeah. you start entering how old were you, when you doing oh that? gosh i don't know we used to enter every year stuff in the state fair when we were kids like uh, sometimes i put some of my arrowheads in there that i found <laughs> and, and won some ribbons for that or uh, sometimes art or just whatever you know and you think that was when you won those what did that do did that say yeah maybe i am gonna well i don't know it was just more about the moment uh, you know i'd um i don't know it was uh I just always did the art. I don't think it, any of that kind of stuff changed or encouraged me to do it more than anything else. You, you still know? have the ribbons? No. No? I don't have any of that stuff. Yeah? Where yeah. did they go? You know? I don't know. You go to... I went off to art school and a lot of stuff disappeared, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, so. your dad was part of the CA, right? <clears throat> yeah, he was from... I think he got into the CA and... Um, I think, I believe it was 1967 and I think, or maybe, well, 66, 67, I think his, um, first show was either in 67 or 68. I can't remember for sure. And so for people who don't know what that is, it's a cowboy artist of America, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. And when were they founded? They were founded in, um, oh my gosh. Uh, it's like, I think they... 66 originally, or uh, I think they originally thought of the idea like in 64 or 5, and then I think the show was up and going by 66. I so think. he was one of the very earliest Yeah, he members. was one of the early early guys. And what yeah. was that CA like then? Do you remember? Your oh, dad? I think it was really neat. I think it was a neat idea. And, you know, back then, Western art wasn't this huge... Uh, um, I don't know, you can almost say industry. It wasn't, it was just a few guys. You, like you could count on two hands all the guys doing Western art in the, you know, in 1965. There's, there's just a very few guys. And so they all, you know, kind of gravitated toward being in the CA. And, and it, I think it was more, then it was more about, uh, the idea and promoting the West and everything more than, 
how much money can we make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think ultimately that's uh, going to be the downfall of a lot of things going on today. Is like it's become how much money can we make off the art, and not yeah. and not so yeah. much about the history. And so, like, a and lot, the culture. Yeah, and I, I I hate to be critical, but it's like there's you know back then, uh, um, even up until like the 1990s and stuff. Like you, when you did Western art, whether you did Native Americans or Mexicans or cowboys or whatever, like you had to do your research and it had to be authentic. And you, like if you painted a certain tribe, you had to do the right hairstyle and the right clothes and everything. But now I'm seeing stuff that's, um, it's just become kind of generic. Like there's stuff wrong. The gear, like the tack on the horses is wrong. The, it's just become generic stuff and it's uh and you know everything has a a point where it starts going downhill and i kind of think western art in some cases is is um uh gotten too big you know so did your dad would he encourage you to say okay kid you got to get this right oh yeah yeah he was very i mean back then everybody was because you know, even the collectors, a lot of those collectors grew up on farms and ranches and grew up in the West and they, um, they knew when something was wrong. So, yeah. Did your yeah. dad know his way around a horse? Did he do? Oh yeah. He grew up with horses and he was, he was actually a cowboy in, uh, the, around the Alamosa area. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Did he, is that where he grew up? Mm-hmm. In Alamosa? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or near there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Coldest yeah. place on earth. Yep. Yeah, but also the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah, it's pretty there, yeah. And so he was an actual, he grew up in a ranching community. and a, Yeah, he grew up on a ranch there, and he, uh, yeah, and that's what he did, and he put himself through college with uh, rodeo money, and yeah, so. And he was a com- obviously competing in rodeo. Like, yeah, yeah. And did he go to the national finals or any of that? No, it was, back then, that was because my dad was born in 1916, so. Yeah. No, he didn't, you know. It was more just local stuff, local rodeos. They, you know, go around that area, and there was always rodeos going on. So no, not in the scale of what it is today. So. And when did he go into art? Um, he was kind of like me. He was uh, um, growing up. He always wanted to be an artist. So yeah. Did he understand at some point that you eclipsed him as far as, and you may not think he did, but eclipsed him as far as fame and notoriety and Oh, I don't know about that. You know, that's, I don't think that was a concern of his or a concern of mine either. It's just like, I always say, you know, it's uh, uh, Terry, my wife and I always say that all we all we want to do is keep making enough money to do what we're doing. So to me and him, it, I don't think it's, all about uh fame or making money it's more about just uh, doing what we want to do and and uh i mean if i um and my dad too if we wanted to um do it for the money and fame we probably would redesign exactly like redesign everything we're doing because it's uh-huh. like you know it's uh, sometimes uh-huh. it doesn't work out too well so. <laughs> but he got yeah. to see it though too he, oh yeah he got yeah. to see all yeah. the, your accomplishments yeah yeah now those old guys uh, that are not not longer with us the ca guys did you get to know any of the you know the beelers really well or any of those yeah, that might have influenced I knew most you? of those guys because i 
grew up with. Them, right. You you, know? Did you ever and, go on those camp trails and things? Yeah, my dad took us on, uh, or my brother and I, and sometimes just me on some of the cowboy artist trail rides and stuff when I was a teenager and stuff. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I was around a lot of those guys for years. So. Was that, Were any of them, would you consider influential in what you do? Yeah, absolutely. They all were in a way, you know, in, in various ways. But uh, um, my dad... You know, when I was, I think I was about 16, my dad took me up to Robert Lougheed's studio up in Santa Fe and uh, asked uh, uh, Lougheed if he would help me with my painting. So um, that was a real turning point for me. So And so your dad clearly saw you had something enough to take yeah. you up to Lougheed's studio. Yeah, well, <clears throat> Lougheed was a re- really good teacher and he taught a lot of artists that are you know a lot of artists are still influenced by him today but he um he you know he had a whole different approach to painting that my dad recognized that was probably better for me so one of them being working from life and so you know that whole generation of western artists that were a lot of those early ca guys they you know, most of that stuff was done out of their head. So, um, you know, Lougheed was really um, pushed the whole idea of working from life and not making stuff up. So, mm-hmm. And using live models and, or yeah, models and yeah, things models, like that. Yeah, models, live models, painting. If you're going to do a landscape, paint it from life and or, um, or do a sketch from life and in bring it back to your studio and do it properly. So, cause you know, cameras are better nowadays, but back then they, you know, they weren't that good and they change, they lie to you and they still lie to you. So, so that's really when you started working plein air and painting outside. Yeah. Was it mm-hmm. when you were about 16? Yeah. Yeah. 16. And then I you know, started, uh, um, you know, I went out to paint as much as I could. And then I went to art school and, I did as much life drawing as I could. Um, yeah, so. And do you think that was one of the reasons who you are is because of that yeah, I mean, mentorship between Lahi? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was, he's still a big influence. So. Yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting yeah. how that that does? Yeah, yeah I, I can see that in your paintings, mm-hmm. and I love Lahi's work as well. Yeah. So. And so I know you don't want to talk about, but let's talk about being a basketball star. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's another reason I became an artist because I wasn't a basketball star, so. but I enjoyed it. Did, yeah. did you guys win state championship? We won state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, then that kind of I don't know that does work a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, of course, every kid growing up, you, you think. I'm going to play in the NBA, but you know, usually it doesn't work out. Is there a point where you go? Cause you know, you guys do win state. You're, you are a good basketball player, even though I've seen your shots, not as good as it used to be, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you think it is, huh? No, that's okay. not. That's so, why I'm laughing. Well, okay. But did at that point in high school, did you go, maybe I should go and try to get on a basketball scholarship uh, and that kind of stuff? Well, like I say, of course, everybody playing high school basketball would love to do that, but it's, you know, it's not in the cards for all of us. So you realized even when you graduate, oh, yeah. you go, yeah. I got to go and do it. It was fun. It was fun. But I, you know, even by the time I was a senior in high school, it's like basketball was fun, but 
I wanted to be an artist. So. Yeah. And now you are the youngest. Yeah. And so your brother, how old is he? I have a brother that's two years older than me and a brother that I think is four years older, five years older than me and a sister that's seven years older. So the oldest brother, he was in that Vietnam era. Yeah, he was right. He was, uh, they, the Vietnam War stopped like know, a few months 72. before he would have been eligible for the draft. Yeah. yeah so he, he didn't, he had to go through a little bit of the angst, but didn't actually have to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't, you know, um, yeah, I was just, uh, I was a lot younger then and I didn't care what he was going through. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So it was there. Yeah. So you decided <clears throat> right then you're going to, in somewhere in high school, I'm going to go to art school. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. And yeah. how did you determine where to go? Uh, I had, I had some options, um, like, uh, I, the, they were creating this kind of new art department up at Adams State College in Alamosa, and they offered me a full scholarship. And then uh, I got a, offered a scholarship from CalArts. And then they, um, so I had these options. And I, you know, even though it was scary, I, I wanted to go to a real art school in California. So I kindly declined the, the offer from Adams State. But, um, so I went to California. So to get those scholarships, because the, the academics might not have been your forte, but you obviously were doing something to get people's attention to well, give you a scholarship. I, I actually, believe it or not, I, I actually did get pretty good grades in high school. You always play it like you didn't. <laughs> okay, here's yeah. the real truth. Yeah. Thank you. But I did, I okay. did. Okay, all right. But, um, but I... Uh, you know, you send in portfolios of drawings. And so they could so, see it. Yeah, and so that's, that's uh, you know, I think the combination of the two. So And so you where did you go to school? Well, the first year I had an opportunity, and it was really good. You know, it was, again, it was my choice, but I had an opportunity to live with a man named Noel Tucker in uh, Laguna Hills, California, and he said, why don't you come live out here, get used to California, and then you can uh, uh, and go to Laguna Beach School of Art and then do a year there and then go up to CalArts. So that's what I did. And so they um, so I was, they saved that scholarship for me. And then I, um, after like the first quarter at Laguna um, Beach School of Art, they gave me a full scholarship. So my parents, you know, they didn't have to pay for too much. So, uh, so anyway, so then I was there for a year and then I went up to Cal Arts. Was Noel Tucker an artist? Yeah, he was an artist. He worked at Disney for years. He was one of the early guys at Disney and he was also one of my dad's, um, art teachers when my dad was young. So, Oh yeah. So yeah. he was an older guy, but he yeah. had been around. Yeah. He and went to the Chicago Art Institute and he was a very talented artist, but he came along when, uh, you know, it was hard to sell representational art, you know, and everything was going to the contemporary and all these guys like Dixon and, um, the California guys and stuff were really struggling at that point because of the depression and people didn't want that kind of art anymore. So the, he, he came along during that time. So he had to teach and work at Disney and everything. So, and he did animation? Yeah, he did uh, like uh, more, like he was head of the special 
special effects department and which all had to be animated now they do it all with computer but mm-hmm. um so he 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 was uh more into like he was a really good landscape painter and everything but uh um so he was more into the you know the not necessarily figures or animals but mostly landscapes and like dripping water or mm-hmm. whatever did, they needed for a movie. Did you learn from him? Did you watch oh, him yeah. or work with him? Yeah, or? he helped me a lot. So. In what way did he? Oh, he set up still lifes for me to paint and go, like, help me with that. And, yeah, so, it was, you know, it's just all training your eye to see. Like, to be a good artist, you have to, um, ultimately, you have to be able to, or have the ability to paint what you want to paint. So by creating these situations, you know, it gives you the ability. You know, you can come up with great ideas, but if you don't have the ability to paint them, then what, what's the point? And so, so a lot of that's composition then? Everything. Draw, yeah. Drawing's so important. Yeah. Composition, it's a, it's just like... Um, the whole skill set. Yeah, yeah. And so you stay with Noel for a year? Uh, a year i was there for a year and then you yeah. went to cal arts yeah. yeah and where is that where was that located that's up in uh valencia california yeah, valencia. which is at the north end of the san fernando valley uh-huh. yeah and who were some of the artists that were at that school at that time oh there was a, you know, know because it was in the disney animation program there were a lot of guys there like uh tim burton was there and um john lassiter was there and there's a bunch of guys there that went on to do great things. So. Did you know any of those guys? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Did you know Tim? Some no, I did. I saw him around. Yeah, all or the John Lasseter. I he was like two years ahead of me, so I knew him, but not that well. So. But at that point, they were no different than you, right? Yeah, everybody was yeah, very talented. I mean, yeah. everybody there was very talented. So, but they, you know, I was there to learn how to draw and the reason that because there back then there weren't that many places teaching traditional um drawing and design and all that but cal arts was doing it mm-hmm. so that's why i wanted to go there mm-hmm. and so you did that for how long i was just there a year and then i had a chance to lahid said come back study with me and uh, so i did that and it was the best move i ever made so. and that was santa he was still in santa fe yeah and how long did so you came back and how long did you do that well i i came back in uh 70 the end of 78 or 79 i can't remember and then um and then uh studied with him and then he passed away in 1982 Mm. so it was you know but like i'm so glad i went back because if i'd have missed that it'd been i'd have been pretty sad so now how many years did you work with him on this second go around well when i came back mm-hmm. so well from 79 to 82 so oh that whole time yeah and did you... i mean off and on i mean it wasn't like i was in a studio sure. every day but you know i would paint go out and paint all these sketches and paint horses and whatever mm. I could set up and paint. Then I'd take them to him and he'd critique them for me. Wow, what a great and then we'd person go to do to, that. And then he invited me to go up and paint in Canada with him. And uh, that's where I met Terry. So, yeah, it was a good time for me. Kind of skipped so. out. And that's where I met Terry and yeah. <laughs> yeah. your wife of, um, of many years. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so when you um, were working with Lahi, were you living in Albuquerque and commuting back and forth? Or yeah, you... I was. I was in Albuquerque and I had a little apartment there. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And were you collecting Indian art yet? Oh, yeah. I've always been collecting stuff, buying and selling and mm -hmm. trading and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you you know you have a great love of that. Yeah, I mean I I've always said to people John could have been a trader in the business of Native American art if he wanted yeah. to just because you know so much about it. Yeah, people don't realize how important that is. I think to your paintings too. Cause yeah, I yeah it all you know it's all um, it's all one big vicious cycle. But yeah, I think hmm. uh, it all like all that stuff affects my my painting. So yeah, and yeah. I and. You're very good. I think, mean, like Dixon, you, you make sure everything's done properly. Mm -hmm. I try to. I'm, I'm sure I've made mistakes, but I try to do it right. So, <laughs> yeah. so you go to Canada work, to work with Lahi, right? Yeah. And where do you go? Where are you painting? We were painting in, at the Okanagan Game Farm in uh, British Columbia. And where did Terry come into this little... So she was invited to paint there by a Canadian artist, Clarence Tellenius. So... Um, so there was a group of artists, like really good group of artists who would meet up there and paint for a month. And that was, it was kind of cool because it was before cell phones and computers and all the stuff that keeps you away from the easel. But um, you go up there for a month and all you had to worry about was painting, like, you know, getting up and painting and going to bed and doing it again the next day. So. And were you doing plain air painting? Yep. <clears throat> Everything was from life. Yep. And Lahi was one of the instructors? Well, it wasn't, at that point, it wasn't really, um, it was just a bunch of people painting, but because, uh, you know, I'd been working with him at the end of the day, he would go over my work with me. So, um, yeah, it wasn't like uh, it was a, structured workshop or something mm -hmm. but it was really it was a really good like i say a really good time for me so. yeah you met terry yeah. well that and i learned a lot yeah. i learned so much so and um so you met her there and then mm -hmm. you guys well that was kind of it you fell in love right there yeah yeah and then we got married in 1982 so yeah yeah and so how long after you met her did you guys get married so i met her in 79 and married in 82. So. Yeah, so there was a there was some kind Well, of... she was from Calgary, so it was a long distance deal, but yeah, we eventually got married. So, so you were going back and forth to Calgary and Yeah, we were I was going up to Canada to paint a lot cuz I love painting up there. I still love painting up there, but um and then she would come down and you know, it's like yeah. <laughs> John's trying to skip over this part. Don't worry, folks. I'm in. I'm going to interview Terry. We'll get the real, yeah. the real story. Yeah, she'll have the dates better. Yeah. Well. You want to preface anything, knowing that I'm going to interview your wife? Yeah, okay. No. I'll let her give it. I'll let Terry fill in the real yeah. details here. Yeah. So now you're married, and you're living in. Are you living in Colorado or New Mexico? In Albuquerque. Yep. Yeah. And it, and you're both trying to make it as an artist at yeah, that point? Yeah, we had a little apartment in Albuquerque, and we both we had one little bedroom as a studio, so we are both painting in there, and then paint, painting outdoors a lot, so with the combination of the two, so. And how did you, and how did you sell your art? I mean, because the plein well, air painting really isn't a thing yet, right? No, but we're paint, we're selling our art at the Taos Gallery up in Taos, and we're, you know, we're just flying by the seat of our pants, you know, and sometimes it'd be a long time between 
selling a painting you know it was uh it was uh it was a tough time but you know you do the flea market too right yeah we'd sell it to flea market every uh saturday we were in albuquerque and sunday in santa fe and what would you sell there Anything we can make money on. <laughs> <laughs> so would it be? So it'd be native arts, your Anything. paintings, her paintings. Both? No, we never, yeah, okay. never sold our work at flea market. We always kept that separate. So and you recognize it was antiques, yeah. you know, various kinds of antiques. So we used to have a pretty big uh, trade bead business going, so a lot of beads and yeah. So. At any point, did you go? Maybe I should do this: sell antiques, at Native no, American art. No. I, I like I like the stuff, but I never liked selling the stuff as much as I like painting. So yeah, or collecting it. Yeah, yeah. So and but like we used to. I mean, one thing about being an artist is uh, even to this day, you you know, there's a lot of times you don't know where the next uh, check's coming from or if it's gonna come. Or but we used to when we were young, we used to. Um, take off for Canada to go painting for a month. And with all we had were maybe a couple hundred bucks and a whole bag, a pillowcase full of beads. And we'd go up there and we would sell the beads and in the, in, in the to stores up there. And then we would, uh, that would pay for our trip. But we always had it in the back of our mind if we couldn't sell the beads then we would have to turn around and come home so mm. how yeah. did you learn all about trade beads no oh, i just learned about it you know it was uh it was kind of a good time you know it was like the glory days of trade beads there's so many great beads coming in from africa and they're really reasonable so you um you know you just had to educate yourself because you might get a like look through 5,000 strings of beads and there might be two great strings in that 5,000 and you need to know which so which ones those were hey. and those are the ones you get you know could so. you pick those up from like the swap meet and things in Santa Fe from people no, that were well, we, where do you at find that point, beads? they would the African guys would be bringing in like I say thousands of strings of beads and they'd call they'd call our house and say I'm in town and we'd they'd come over to the house and so you'd buy those and then those are what you would use for your to barter and trade or when you go well, up to yeah, Canada. Yeah, we'd take those and and we had like a kind of a little trap line of people that would always buy beads so we would go to those people and like the day after we arrived that's the first thing we did was try to sell sell the beads so we could paint for a month so <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i took and did you run out of trade beads at some point in time and when in other words did it happen where you couldn't sell the beads and you did have to come back no we always were lucky yeah we were always lucky so yeah how many years did you do that oh i don't even remember mark i mean for several years you did but that it's a you know the lifestyle we chose was always a gamble, but I, it didn't, never bothered me. I think it bothered Terry more than me. It's not knowing where, how you're gonna, you know, pay the for food the next day or whatever. But um, you know, it's just the way it is. And why didn't it bother you? Think I don't know. I think it's just. Uh, I think some people are cut out for that kind of lifestyle and some people want everything like mm -hmm. you know like i get a check on friday and da -da 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 -da. and uh you know where i couldn't live like that 
And you also saw your dad make it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, and I'm sure yeah. that couldn't have hurt yeah. to know that he raised what four kids and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's uh, um, the one thing that that you know you you have to realize that there's really no shortage of money out there in the world. Like there's money, money. I mean, there's so much money out there. You just have to figure out how to make it. Yeah. So. You know, I talk a lot about your dad, but what about your mom? Did she have, what did she do? She was, you know, a housewife and she did all the books for my dad and stuff, but she was very supportive of my dad's. And of you, I assume? Oh yeah. Yeah. More than, more than my dad was even. So. And, and encouraging you to go the route you went? Yeah. I don't think, you know, she was a good mom. She just, whatever any of the kids decided to do, she was definitely encouraging. Yeah. I've seen you do that in your own son too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. And when did you have a kid? So you, how long were you married before you had Josh? I think we were married almost 10 years or 10 years. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And then you had Josh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then did that change having, cause you're two artists and you're going on all these trips where you paint and you have a wonderful time, but you're struggling clearly yeah. to make a living. Having a, a kid come into the world, did that affect or change things as far as you as an artist? Not really. We just kept doing the same thing. We kept going to Canada and painting and dragging him with us. So mm-hmm. he lived that lifestyle. So nothing really changed. Yeah. And you didn't feel like <clears throat> there wasn't more pressure to have to make sales and that kind of stuff? Um, no. I mean... It, if anything, we were we weren't struggling as much then as we had been. So yeah, yeah, you start. And when did that happen? So when did you get like when did you get your first galleries? When did that oh, happen? Before we got married, we had galleries. So. Well, and which galleries were those? Do you remember? Well, I was in Taos Gallery. I did some sculpting early on, which uh, Taos Gallery handled. Like oh my gosh, I was like. 12 or 13 years old so so i was always they were handling your sculpture at 12 or 13 years old yeah yeah so what kind of sculpture (laughs) oh really bad clearly but you're 12 but but uh, not that bad yeah but no it's just stuff i was doing like wildlife and stuff Uh but uh, have you um, seen any of those come back on the market yeah once in a while they show up Uh yeah 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 Uh you buy them (laughs) i've bought some yeah, Did they, you should destroy all, they should them? all be destroyed. But no, I, I have some somewhere. In the oh, box. you have to show this to me uh, no. <laughs> when you go through your garage <laughs> that you don't have. But uh, no, so anyway, so I was doing that. So I've always, uh, and when I was in um, uh, art school, I, I was in a gallery in California for a while, and so yeah, I've always kind of, um, there's always galleries out there that'll take your work you know you just have to find the ones though so. i think it's i mean it's easy to say that but you have to have some chops to be able to get into even an even a mediocre gallery because there's a lot of artists maybe it wasn't as hard quite well i but. think there's a lot more artists now than there were then but it you know it's just uh um yeah i don't know i think because of my dad and stuff and his name recognition that it was easier for me you know to be perfectly honest, but uh, um, yeah, so did, we're always in galleries. Did you feel when you're growing up and you're going to these galleries now and you're showing your work, did you feel that you had to compete against those shoes? Because he was a big deal then. 
Well, yeah, but I, I always, uh, and he, he, I always wanted to, you know, do, I, mean, I wanted to do Western subject matter because that's what I wanted to do. That's what I was interested in, but I wanted to do it different than my dad. So, and, uh, and he, and he always said he didn't want to clone him, you know, running around. So, so <laughs> especially so, if you might be better. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't know. He could, he. He's actually could do. He could draw like a son of a gun. He could. He's a really good sculptor too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And so, so how is yours different than his? Well, uh, you know, I went to to that. Uh, um, I went the working from life route, and where he was, you know, working out of his head, and he was able to draw. Like I can draw. If you put it in front of me, I mm -hmm. can draw it. But, um, but drawing out of my head, like I'm working on a painting now that's out of my head because it's the only way I can paint this picture, but it's way more difficult. Like I, I had to, um, it was a real struggle to get to, and it's a big painting, but to get this drawn in and I had to keep like adjusting and fixing stuff because I had nothing to refer to where my dad and that whole school of painting, they could, um, draw out of their head and that is, you know, and that's something to be said because, uh, and that's that, you know, my dad was influenced by Harvey Dunn and all his, like he really advocated, you know, working out of your head because then he, Harvey Dunn felt that that was the soul, like the soul of the artist, you know, being able to produce this art out of your head. So. And so this you know, piece that you're working in your head now, is it just too complex to try to set it up in a way where you could... Yeah, and I, you know, at some point, um, I think that you, the more you use different aids to help you with your art, the it sucks the art out of it, in my opinion. Like, um, so yeah, you know, if you, the more and more I learn is, you know, maybe Harvey Dunn was right. Maybe if the more you draw from your, yourself, maybe there is more art in that. So. And when you do your paintings too, you draw right on the canvas, right? Yep. Yeah. Tell me about that for people who might. Well, we just, uh, both Terry and I hand draw everything. We don't use any mechanical aids and, um, yeah, so it's so all, no projectors and that kind of no, stuff, right? No. You you get a canvas, you put it on there. Yeah, you have an idea, or you may have taken some photographs of things that you might use yeah, as a use, reference. Yeah, we use photographs, or we'll photograph models and stuff because you know it's just not practical in a lot of cases to have a model come back. We've done it, but to have a model come back every day for five days or something, but because um, they don't have the time, honestly, and we don't have the time and. Uh, so yes, we do use photographs to a degree, but usually if you look at the photograph and, and look, one of my finished paintings, like it's, there's, it's the photographs, just a start off point. You know, I, I make all kinds, I edit stuff, I change stuff and, um, you know, and I think that's where the art comes in. Right. That's where you're going out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. You have it there. You can see it. You understand the composition you set up to begin mm -hmm. with. And then you look at that on, kind of as a reference more for yeah. shape, color, 
Yeah, I think that you you know it's uh, Lahid as when we were students, he he would. Uh, I mean, he just did not want you working out of your head, and I understand that now. But um, but you know. Um, Sometimes you can make a decision where you depart from nature and it's a better piece of art. And sometimes you do that and it's a worse piece of art. Like everything's a gamble. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, so you're, and back to when you're, you guys are married and getting your first galleries going, what was your first kind of big gallery <clears throat> that you got? I guess it would have been in the mid eighties timeframe maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We've been in, in and out of so many galleries. No shout outs to any that made a difference in your life? Um, good or bad? Because well, it can gallery, be good or bad. Taos Gallery was, the, the, you know, that was um, probably the the gallery that really, you know, where we really started getting our footing was was uh, uh, David Shear up at Taos Gallery. But, you know, that changed. Everything changes, you know, and they went on to do other things. And um, so then we had to scramble and do something else. So, you know, every time you think you, you got it figured out and you start getting comfortable, then, you know, life's going to throw you a curveball. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, especially in the art business. It's a tough business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you, and you do have to have some real business acumen, I think, as an artist to yeah to survive, don't you think? You do, yeah. It's just common sense, you know. So, like yeah. not selling your paintings at the swap meet when you could. Yeah, no, you don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even when you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. So when did you get into the CA? What you went, got in 1994. Uh huh. Yeah, oh. and then my first show was 95. Like you get in, and then it's a year before you show, and. um yeah, so that was a, that was a real turning point too. Was that a goal for you to get into the CA? At yeah, some... I always wanted to be a member of the CA, and it was, a, you know, so when I got in, it was a you know a real honor, and it was something that I wanted. So, uh huh. Was your was your dad there when you did your? Was he still in the CA at that point? Yeah, he was. Oh yeah, so that yeah. must have been really. Yeah, it was exciting. That's for sure. Yeah. Was that the first father son? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Has there been anybody since then? I don't think so, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh huh. Yeah. So you got in in '94, mm-hmm. and you get, and then you got to show in '95. Yeah. And when did you start winning awards? Oh, I won. Uh, um, trying to. I hope my dates are right. Yeah, close it, enough. But um, I think I won uh, gold medal oil and best of show and. I think it was 1998, so. So three years later. Yeah. And that was Best of Show. And how many Best of Shows did you win? Quite a few, but I can't remember. But I did win quite a few, so it's, I was lucky. So Yeah. Has anyone won more than you, do you know? I don't know. You don't care? <laughs> no. You know what? Awards are funny because um, at the time you really want them, but then you realize that in the whole scheme of things, they don't really mean all that much because they're more for the collectors than the artists because how can you go into a like a really high caliber art show and say this is the best piece of art in the show? It's all subjective. And you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it's so uh yeah, it's it's fun and great and all that, but um you know 
you know, you could put a, a great Maynard Dixon in that same show and he wouldn't win an award. You, you just don't know, or Carl Rungus. Or, so it's all subjective. Yeah. So. Were there any uh, years? Because you're in the CA for how many years were you in the CA for? I was, uh, I left the CA in 2010. So, yes. whatever. Yeah, 15 years. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. So, was there any one where you won and you really were just completely shocked out of your boots? That well, you, anytime you win anything, you're shocked because you just because uh -huh. like I said, there's usually a lot of good art in those shows. So, um, yeah. So it's always an honor, but uh, and like I said, in the whole scheme of things, like nobody really knows or cares five years later. Now, there's so, a couple of paintings. Are any of those that won, or maybe even didn't win, but that really stand out that you thought really were super successful? Well, that's a tough question, Mark, yeah. because it's hard. It's I can look at other artists' work and and answer that question. It's so hard to judge your own work. So. I remember that gouache though with the rattlesnake. Yeah, that was uh that one was uh one best in show. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I tried to buy out of your studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for myself. Yeah. I remember you said, Well, I guess it was pretty good. I I think I'll just go ahead and put it in. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that that painting's maybe the most popular painting I've ever done. People still talk about yeah, that. Yeah, tell tell us what it is. Visually It was a it was a Mexican <laughs> revolutionary guy and he's down in this arroyo and he's got his sword and there's a big diamond back coiled up rattling and you know head up like that and he's teasing that rattlesnake with his sword and i called it the eagle and the snake so which is you know the mexican flag and um and Pancho Villa used to call his soldiers eagles mm -hmm. so i called it the eagle and the snake and uh People, people love that painting. When I, you know, when I did it, I thought nobody's going to buy a painting of a rattlesnake. Nobody. <laughs> Other <ever."> than me. <laughs> and, uh, but it turned out to be very popular and it won best in show. So. Yeah, I even put in on it to try to buy it. I didn't yeah, get it. Yeah. And how'd you come up with that idea? Well, I used to hunt rattlesnakes a lot. And so I was really... Um, I, I I don't know. I was just really into rats. Still, I am. I love snakes. So yeah. When you um, say you hunt them, you were hunting them to see them and enjoy them. And yeah. Well, whereas one point, which I still kind of feel guilty about, but I used to catch them and eat them. But um, it's because I that's because I didn't have that much money. So yeah. But uh, um, <laughs> but now I save them. If I see them on the road or anything, I'll I'll get them off the road. Yeah. So yeah. And so you start doing this kind of Hispanic culture, which you love, and I'd like mm -hmm. to talk about. When did that become part well, of your life and interest? It was always part of my life and interest because growing up in Albuquerque, and we used to go to uh, Mexico a lot. And um, so I was always very interested in uh, like Mexican culture and history and stuff, but I never... I never even thought about painting it because, you know, when you're young and stuff, you're influenced by, you know, what's being done and what other artists are doing. And that, nobody was really doing, you know, that stuff. And then all of a sudden I, I was, you know, selling it to flea markets and stuff. And I, and a guy, a friend of mine said, um, if you see any, 
He says, Mexican weavings are becoming the hot thing. If you see any of them for sale or if you can get any of them, I'll buy them. So then first thing I did was I found one and it was a pretty cool one. And so I think I pay, paid uh, 120 bucks for it and I sold it to him for two, 250 bucks. And I thought, why, why did I do that? I kind of liked it, you know? And so, and then I started you know, reading about them and collecting them. And then pretty soon I was collecting saltillos and then, and I really liked them. And then I started collecting sombreros, like good old sombreros. And then all of a sudden I thought I should paint this stuff. So that's when I started painting it. And when did you start painting that? It was, uh, oh gosh, it would have been maybe early nineties, something like that. I can't even remember. I, can't remember what the painting was or when I started, but I started painting that stuff back then sometime. And I remember when I did it, I put a piece in the CA show and Joe Beeler came up to me and he said, he said, John, he says, I, he says, I really like that subject matter. He says, I've tried it, but you can't sell that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> was that before the opening of the show? Yeah. yeah. And I said, oh, Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I like painting it too. Well, that's good <laughs> to know. So, but anyway, but did you sell the piece? Yeah, I sold the piece, and I've had really good luck selling <laughs> that stuff. So I think, uh, you know, maybe I had a different take on it or a different look, or maybe Joe's timing was bad. But whatever, it's become one of my most popular subjects, and plus, I love doing it. So. And was that like ninety that you put that painting in? Would that have been like ninety six or seven or what? The eagle in the sky? no, the one that you. That you oh, jeez, I think it was early. Oh, yeah, it would have been. Uh, yeah, it would have been. Oh, it was my first year. It was ninety six. My my first year showing it was a painting called Cielito Lindo, and it was a bunch of. Mexican revolutionaries like uh or in like in an interior scene and one guy's playing the violin mm -hmm. and all these guys are around listening to them loading their guns and getting ready for the next day so. were you worried to do that because I mean that's a cowboy artist of America and it's not really no I wasn't worried I, I had fun doing it yeah and, you know you didn't so. ask your dad and say what do you think no I never no <laughs> I can see that no yeah. okay yeah you yeah. did what you wanted to do yeah exactly yeah and did you catch uh grief at all from other people or no surprise no, because no? that's part of the west so yeah i know but no. i don't know if everybody knows that even the ca guys at that time no i the only comment was joe people liked it so joe said that you know and he liked it he just said you can't sell that stuff yeah. well it's old but um yeah did you start so, to see other artists go oh maybe i should do this yeah or? you know it's like anything it's uh yeah i i even to this day i see other guys you know, going down that road. So, yeah. Yeah, but you have something different than all of those guys, I think, probably. You have an innate and a really deep knowledge of Hispanic culture and their arts, including Sotillo Serapis. Yeah. And so, you. when did you get your, that, you know, that one that you bought and sold for 250 what year would have that been, approximately? Oh, my gosh. I think that was... Uh, Late eighties, oh, like yeah. maybe eighty eight, eighty nine. I like again. I, I, I never wrote any of this stuff down, so I'm just remembering. But it was probably late eighties. Oh, what was that blanket that you sold for two fifty? It was a really pretty one. You know, was it like I, a I only late had thing it for or? a few minutes. You Do know? you remember what year it would have been? Kind of like it was a late classic oh, kind of thing. It was probably late. It was no, it was like 
uh, late 1800s, but very fine. Had a beautiful diamond, you know, because a lot of those weavings, even after the classic period, they're beautiful weavings. You know, it's uh, there. It's almost like um, the a Mexican version of a Navajo German town, like they took some of those commercial threads and stuff and started doing beautiful weavings that are just like a German town's a beautiful weaving, but it's different than a classic Navajo blanket. So. Yeah, when did you get that first classic sautilla? Do you remember that? You must. Oh, yeah, I got two classics from you. Those were my first two. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. An indigo one and a coaching one. I remember one. the pieces. I had them for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That was, I helped with the addiction yeah because you know they've always been expensive so i was able to trade for those so but if i you know that's how i put my expensive collection together is with a lot of trading and yeah because and knowledge a, yeah and because you just can't go out and buy them you know they're so expensive so. and what's the most important thing that people should look for when they're buying we're talking about class these are blankets that are 1750 to 1850 more or less yeah. right yeah well um like anything it's like you can have a navajo blanket with great art in it or you can have a Navajo blanket that's technically just as nice but there's no art in it and so um we were just looking at two saltillos this morning one is like a technical masterpiece but one's very simple and the simple one has more art in it you know mm -hmm. so so uh you know that i've always gravitated towards the the you know the beautiful pieces that um have art in them i don't know how else to describe it but usually you know the minute you see them mm -hmm. so yeah. and how many if you want to share how many sautillas do you have you collected at this point oh i've collected i've collected lots of them but <laughs> i have sold and traded lots of them but um right now i probably have about 80 of them yeah so. and so that's one of the foremost collections in the world right well it's right in there probably yeah and at this point, with such a huge collection of very important textiles, is there? Do you are you trying to fill in holes, or do you just keep? It doesn't matter if it's great. Well, you I want just it. right now, I just want you know. Um, first of all, you might only see one a year. I mean, they're so rare that you, you're some, and then you'll go through periods where you might see five in a month. But I haven't seen a really good one come on the market in quite a while. But there's not that many out there, right? No. But, you know, they see, you see them come up for auction and stuff, and I'll look at them and think, I'm not even going to go after that one, no matter how cheap it goes, because, you know, it's just, if it doesn't strike you, it doesn't strike you, you know? Yeah, so. that's you're, you're buying because you love them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you use them in your paintings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did a show together, which I thought was like super successful, mm -hmm. where we you we did sautillos juxtaposed against your paintings. Mm -hmm. They're all your sautillos, and mm -hmm. and you and you uh, use them as a subject matter. Yeah, yeah. And was have that was a long time kind of thing you had wanted to do too. We had talked about it for yeah, years, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about tell me the audience a little bit about that because there's a look. We did a catalog too. They can get the catalog. Yeah, and I um. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I love using that kind of stuff in my paintings because it's it it uh you know, it just uh, gives you a, 
another texture and it makes your work more decorative and everything just uh um having that stuff in in your paintings and i love you know it's really cool when you can get a, a model that looks like a an old time person which mm -hmm. is becoming more and more difficult to get you know those old looks because people are heavier now and <laughs> da, 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 but um and they don't have like that weather-worn skin and everything they used to have but uh if you can get a good model and dress them with old clothes and old stuff and it's exciting to see that you know in person like this like wow you know that there's a serape being used how it's supposed to be used instead of this beautiful thing on the wall which is great but it's neat to see them you know, actually on a person. So. Yeah, and they would have been, right? Yeah. They would have been yeah. used that's as... How they're, that's yeah. what they're made for, yeah. so... See them on the back of a yeah. horse sometimes. Yeah. Like a Navajo blanket. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, um, when you see a Navajo blanket on a Navajo with the, you know, the um, weather-worn skin and that the color of their skin against the colors of the blanket, and you say, oh, that's why they you know, made those blankets that color and stuff. Cause it's, it almost, it all complements each other, you know? And one of the lessons I learned was, um, up in Canada, they used to, uh, do a lot of orange beadwork. And I thought, why are they using all this orange beadwork? And it's just, it's just as ugly as <laughs> orange. And so then, um, and the same with the Navajos, the minute they could use orange, they started putting orange in a lot of their blankets, but when you look at a Native American skin, it goes to the purples, especially out in the sun. And purple is the complemented orange. So when you actually put like that orange beadwork on a Native American or an orange blanket on a Navajo, it's like, wow, it really works. That's when it works, you know. Mm. And, and so it's not just an orange blanket hanging on a wall. It's a, There's a reason they did that, so... It's the context. Yeah. Or the con or the complementary colors. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, does it, it's gotta be a little irritating when you see maybe a really great artist, but they just totally don't get the right blanket, the right yeah. horse, well, the right. Yeah, it is. But <laughs> it used to bug me more than it does now and it's like yeah whatever you know i just uh I'll, i have enough problems with myself and so <laughs> i just need to worry about myself so, yeah very diplomatic good yeah, job yeah. <laughs> and yeah and you learned a lot about sombreros too right i mean you're you yeah. know a lot about sombreros yeah and i you never can know enough but i've tried to research stuff as much as i can and i enjoy it you know it's like uh Oh my gosh, if I had to research stuff that I don't enjoy, I'd probably go crazy. So, have you ever thought about doing a book on your material? I mean, I know people have used your material for books, but have you thought about doing your own? Oh, uh, not really, because I don't even want to. I just want to paint. And if I can, if anything takes me away from the easel, then. I, like I just don't want I, I always say I want to be selfish with my time because you know at the end of your life if you waste all your time doing something else nobody's going to say well that was what you did was good with that time but 
Um, and so we're going to give it back to you at the end of your life so you can make those paintings you, you didn't have a chance to make. And they're like, that's how I look at it. I just want to paint. I don't want to waste time doing other stuff. So. Do you look at that as like a legacy, what you're leaving? No, I just want to paint. And there's so many. I, I don't have enough time to do all the ideas I have in my head. So, so that's it. There's a yeah. zillion ideas yeah. that you've that come to you on a regular basis. And some of all them, the time, yeah. And I want to paint them, and I, but uh, I, you know, I I think you know me well enough. How to just like legacy? What what does that mean? It's like just um, I don't even care about that. I just want to paint and do the best paintings I can do. So, and if you know, if good things happen, great. If not, I'm still painting. So, well, I think you're doing some of your most exciting interesting things mm -hmm. i've seen and i've known you 20 plus years i think by now but you know like that positive negative piece that you've done tell them tell people what you're doing now because you've really kind of you're not a you're not a guy who's afraid to push the envelope and yeah. try different things and yeah. i think you're and, doing some of that and now. i've never been afraid i just uh um you know if you get a you know, sometimes I get an idea, and I think it's a brilliant idea, but it really isn't when you're looking uh -huh. back on some of my brilliant ideas. But uh -huh. it's, uh, like, it's just, um, you know, it's so easy to paint for the market. I've, I've known over the years, and, yeah, you, you, you should always, in, in any of the arts, you should always, you know, look to those that have, you know, gone before you and what... What did they do right and what mistakes did they make? And my favorite artists have always been the ones that paint for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, you know, the part of the deal about learning how to paint and, and spending all these years practicing and working from life and doing this and that is uh, to give you the ability to paint the ideas that you come up with. So when I was young, I'd come up with great ideas, but I didn't have the capability to paint them. Mm -hmm. So now, hopefully, after all these years, I can do stuff that, you know, is different. That's, um, you know, that I can do without worrying about, you know, technique and this and that. Because when you when you're young, you know, so much of your energy is going into um drawing and technique and what's right and what's wrong where you once you and you can almost feel when you turn that corner where it's like how i just want to produce the best piece of art i can and you don't have to worry about is this paint too thick is this paint too thin should i do this should i do that you just you just have fun with it and the technique will take care of itself so i think one of the coolest paintings you did i really love it is the one that's in the scottsdale museum of the west with the coke can mm -hmm. yeah for those people who probably seen it if you go it's hanging mm -hmm. uh still hanging now actually they took down every show and they left yours up oh cool yeah and they put it in a big spot when you come into the yeah i've building. never even been in that museum oh it's fantastic too bad it's fantastic you'll love it I, I highly yeah. encourage it yeah it's where we're going to do that big Maynard Dixon show and oh, opening cool. in october yeah over oh, 100 pieces to go yeah um but <clears throat> Tell me about that painting. I know it. That one was well. I I done. Uh, I did one called the Eagle Bone Whistle. I remember it was, that. It was a great big head. And that was my first. I call them big head paintings. What else do you call them? <laughs> that was my first big head painting I done because I went to London and I um, 
there was a show in the National Portrait Gallery of, of all these contemporary portrait paintings, and there were like these huge heads, but they were um, they were all like projected and painted over G-clays and stuff. But the concept stuck with me. It's like wow, big big heads because when i went to art school and stuff you know there's like formulas when you paint a portrait the head always has to be a little smaller than the person you're painting or it looks like they have a big head so then i thought well these guys have taken it the whole uh, into a whole another way of looking at it so so then i I came home and i thought about it for a couple years and then i did the um the eagle bone whistle and i thought wow you know that that was fun so then um, I've been doing quite a few of those and, um, and then I, I, I really love like Fritz Shoulders work and I love all that. But then, um, I think what, what am, how do I want to, uh, keep doing what I'm doing, but go more contemporary? Cause that's what I'm kind of gravitating to cause I like it. But then I thought the one thing. And it's not even a criticism. It's just in my head, what what am I doing? But the one thing that um, that I want to keep doing in my art is have good drawing, whether it's a big head, a little head, but or very contemporary. I want to. I don't want to lose my drawing. You can exaggerate drawing, but I want. I don't want to make mistakes in my drawing. So I exaggerate drawing and do all this stuff, but I don't want to lose my drawing. So I'm going in, in these different directions, but I'm trying to still keep, you know, my foundation there. Mm-hmm. So Now, there's another area that you paint, which you're exceptionally successful at, which is what, for those people who are watching this on YouTube, and you have this fantastic uh, Hawaiian shirt on. Tell us about Hawaii and your oh. love. I mean, because you have thousands of Hawaiian shirts. You just love yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, I love, I've always seen it's funny. I don't know why. My, when I was a little kid, my folks would go to Hawaii and they'd bring back Hawaiian shirts for us. And I've always loved Hawaiian shirts. So, and, um, so I've always worn them. And when I was going to art school, I'd sell at the flea markets on the weekend. I'd run around before I set up and you could buy like really cool shirts for like a dime, a quarter. So I was always wearing Hawaiian shirts and still do. The so, one you have on, tell me about that. Oh, this is the, this is a reproduction of an old one, but uh, uh, I have a good friend in Honolulu who uh, makes great shirts, and he has the fabric done in uh, Mark Japan. Blackburn, right? No, oh, it's different. No, no, this okay, is, he makes shirts too. Yeah, right? This is a Japanese guy. Oh, okay, yeah, his name's KC because nobody can pronounce his name, but he's a Japanese guy. He has the fabric done in um, in Japan. Because they do the best rayon fabric, and then he brings the fabric back to Honolulu and has the shirts made there. So yeah, and you've been doing paintings too. I mean, you some of yeah, your paintings we, are just fantastic we, at the Hawaiian material. We love painting in Hawaii. It's great to go over there when it's cold. Although now we live in California, so we don't have to worry about the cold. But when it was cold in Santa Fe and the wind blowing and stuff, and we wanted <laughs> to work from life, we'd go to Hawaii and paint there. So Yeah, you spend the whole time running around and and yeah, we doing plain air paintings, yeah, right? Yeah. Usually little watercolors just because it's easier to bring them back? Yeah, and plus we found that watercolor, um, we started taking watercolors to Europe because it, after 9-11 and everything, it was just easier. And then I realized pretty fast, that watercolor, when you paint with watercolor, 
you know, do two or three watercolors a day, every day for a month. When you get back, not only does it help your drawing, but it makes you think, look at your oil painting in a whole different way. So it's, we find, at least I find, Terry can speak for herself, but I find that the watercolors help me so much with my studio work. So. How does it make you look at your your oils differently with the watercolors? Well, it's just like you have to, it's kind of like um, you have to challenge yourself to, because it's a whole different approach. Like with watercolor, you start light and you go dark. And oil, you know, that you usually start dark and go light. You know, that's kind of the approach, although that's an oversimplification. But, you know, that that's pretty much it. So with watercolor, and if water, watercolor, if you... Um, uh, make a mistake in your drawing is you can't fix it. It's, it's there, but oil, you can make a mistake and say, I'll go back and fix it later. So it's faster too, right? I mean, you have to work fast with a watercolor. Actually, you know what? And like when we paint in Venice and stuff, I can do an oil faster than a watercolor because with, when you're doing buildings and water and all this complicated stuff, you have to go go very slow you have to plan it out you're gonna let different parts of the paper dry and paint over here and so actually watercolors in a lot of cases are slower than oils from life mm -hmm. you what's know? your favorite subject matter on the Hawaiian paintings that you like to paint oh I, like, I don't know it's, is I there like anything it specific no I like I like seascapes I like the yeah it's all good yeah calabash walls yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> another problem you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both have. Yeah, yeah. So, what advice would you give to artists that are out there listening to this, starting maybe starting out their career? Um, my best advice is don't become an artist. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I'm sure there's some truth <laughs> into that in a weird no, way, yeah, right? Unless you are ready for if if you are. You have to be very thick-skinned. You can't let criticism bug you because, or it'll drive you crazy because everybody's critical. Everybody has an opinion. and um, You just uh, you have to be true to yourself. But you, I guess, you know, the biggest thing is, is uh, um, you just, you, I mean, like I say, everybody has an opinion. It's like if you say, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to open a taco stand or something. And then you have all your relatives have their opinion on why you shouldn't open that mm -hmm. taco stand. So you, and same with art, everybody has an opinion why you screwed up on that painting <laughs> or, um, you know what I mean? So you, you just have to be, um, stubborn and selfish with your time and, uh, and somewhat brave. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you are brave. Yeah, well, I see it in your work. I see it in your subject matters you choose to paint, mm -hmm. and how you're never afraid to move to that next kind of level of I want to experiment with this. Whether it's Hawaiian paintings that you might not be associated with, but you don't care and you do it because you yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think that's a good way. I think it's a good way to end this actually because I do think when I look in your paintings, there's always. A unique voice. Well, those ideas are coming through. I can always be assured it's not going to be the same thing mm -hmm. when I get a when I see one of John's, you know, and Terry's for that matter, paintings that you've got. You know, you are selfish with your time and you spend it well. Yeah, thank you.
Very good. And so you didn't even interview me. You said you're going to interview me. I, I said know. you're not going to, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a chance. <laughs> I get to find out all the fun yeah. things, and I learn stuff. Yeah. John Moyers, you're a good friend, Thank an you. excellent artist. Thank you so much for coming on and talking today. I know you have other things to do, like go out and try to find some stuff at antique malls and go look at art. John will be looking at all my blankets now. He'll run in there because he just loves oh, yeah. these things. Yeah. <laughs> John Warriors, thank you so much.